0: In the name of Jesus, amen. Most people recognize the parable today as the prodigal son, but a better name for this parable might be the forgiving father. Because you'll see that the emphasis in this parable is not on the life of the son or sons, but on the love of the father and the love that he has for them. And in this parable, you'll learn about the three conditions of life without the gospel. The three ways to live your life without the father's love. The first way to live your life without the gospel is to live like the younger son. The younger son asks for his inheritance from the father. And so basically, in other words, he's saying, look, dad, I love you and all, but I kind of wish you were dead already so that I could get all of the stuff you're going to leave me in your will because I have some good ideas of how to spend it. And as shocking as this is, what's more shocking is that the father actually gives it to him. And the father gives his son what he asked for, more than he could ever deserve or earn on his own. And what does the son do? He doesn't invest or save it. He squanders it. He loses it all. He lives among the heathen and the prostitute. He gratifies his flesh. He chases every carnal pleasure before him. He lives like a pig, not giving a rip about all the good that his father taught him. And this is the first way to live your life without the gospel, like the younger son. There's a name for this, it's called hedonism. It's the belief that the entire purpose of your life, the goal of your life is to be happy and that the goal of life is pleasure. And so without the gospel, people live as if they only had one life and they do whatever, right, whatever makes you happy. So they treat God's law as some sort of killjoy nuisance that annoys you when you're trying to have fun in this life. When you think, yeah, marriage is tough business, I'll just shack up with whoever I want. Or kids are a lot of work, they get in the way of living out my dreams and having fun in life. And so on and so forth with all of God's word. You take all the good that God gave you in this short life, your spouse, your children, your parents, your neighbor, God's grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, and you just squander it. You waste it. You do nothing with it. You use the mouth that God gave you to talk filthy and to gossip about one another. You use your hands to be lazy and to steal. You fill your mind, the mind that God gave you with evil thoughts of revenge. You take all the good that God gave you, and you waste it. We see this all around us, and we're often tempted to leave all the good that God gave us and waste it all. So that's the first condition of life without the gospel. And the second way to live your life is like the younger son again, but this time when he runs out of money. After the son threw away all of his money, he was so hungry that he started to drool after what the pigs would eat and slobber on. And this is what he said to himself. He goes, look, how many of my father's servants have more than enough, and yet I'm starving? I'll go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So this is the second type of life without the gospel, living like the son who ran out of money. To live this way is to live in despair. It's despairing of your father's goodness, thinking, now that I've sinned, and now that I've fallen into sin and squandered all that I have, I'm never gonna get back what I lost. I'll be a slave to God forever, and that's the best possible scenario, that he would accept me as a servant or a slave, but never a son again. And so you try to work a deal out with God. And this is the closest to repentance that a sinner can ever come up with, is a bribe. It's the sinner's version of repentance. So you think, look, I've done so much evil and God won't forgive me for it, I'll have to work for it. We lose hope that God will ever be our father again in the same way that he was before we squandered the wealth. The best we could be in his house is a servant. And this happens when we realize the gravity of our sin. We think, look, I really messed up. I really uh, botched it up this time, but I I promise I'm gonna give more to the church. I promise I'll go to church more. I'm gonna be nicer to everyone around me. I'm gonna tell my family and my wife that I love them. I'm gonna go and feed the poor and that'll maybe help me work something back. At least I'll break even. But this is the second condition of life without the gospel. The son with money and now the son without that money. See, when we're in church, the devil tempts us to become bored with this Christian life. And rather, he allures us and entices us to squander away everything that God gave you here. He tempts us to waste it all. But then, once we do give in to sin, the devil whispers despair into our ears saying, look, you've gone out and now you can't come back. You've really messed up. You'll have to be a servant of his never a child. And in the midst of all this, when you find that the world only cares for your money, they only care for you when you have it, when you realize that the devil wants you to despair, as you try to muster up the courage to go back to church after wasting half of your life away while, you, while your sin is still fresh in your mind and while the rotting smell of your wickedness reeks from your flesh and your hands, While you rehearse the words of your bribe to God. God, your dear Father in heaven, sees you in the distance. And while you are still far off, he leaves all he has and he runs to you. He runs out to see you, not to scold you, but to have compassion on you. As he's clothed in all of his glory and majesty, he runs up to you, he throws his arms around you, embraces you, falls on your neck and kisses you, not giving any mind to the filth that gets on him. With his arms still wrapped around you, you begin to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But before you could finish your bribe, before you could utter your half of the deal, he cuts you off. And he calls out his servants and he tells them, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it, for my son was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. When you had wasted everything that the Father gave you, he didn't demand it back. In fact, he has come today to give you even more, more than you've lost. And this is what your dear Father in heaven does in Christ. Jesus himself says in John chapter 12 that whoever sees me, he sees him who sent me. That is the Father. So you see your dear Father in all the things that Jesus has done for you. This means after you squandered all the good that he gave, that that he gave you, that you gave away, that you lost, before you cut him a deal by sending Christ his only son, he leaves and runs to you. When Jesus embraced his nails and his cross, that's when the Father wraps his arms around you in joy. When Jesus suffered in nakedness and shame, that's when the Father clothed you with the robe of perfect righteousness. When Jesus laid down his life for you, giving up all he had, that's when your Father gave you everything he had again. (laughs) Through the death of his dear Son, your dear Father forgives you. He welcomes you. He covers your shame. He honors you. He ends all of your plans to earn back any of his favor. He showers you with more grace and mercy than you ever dare claim. And in all of this, he reveals a love for you that has never died. As he doesn't consider you a slave, but his son. So with all that being said, you'll notice that there's still one more condition of life without the gospel. One final way to live that I haven't preached about yet. And the final way is to live like that older son, like the son who envies his brother, who refuses to rejoice with his family. The father goes out to see him as he's not entering the party, as he's refusing to go in out of jealousy, out of envy. And he says, uh, the father says to him, all these years, sorry, the the, the son says to the father, all these years I've served you, I've never transgressed your commandments at any time, and yet you never even gave me a goat that I could enjoy with my friends, but as soon as this son of yours comes, who devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. This is the third way to live your life, to live in bitterness and anger in response to God. And where does this bitterness come from? It comes from a self-righteous heart, and this is called pride. The oldest son thought he was a son because he earned it, because he he behaved well, because he listened to his father, because he, he never left. He thought he was a son because of his works. He behaved, he listened, he never did wrong, and he thought that what the father did, that is, be gracious to the other son, he thought that that was unfair. Remember who Jesus was speaking this parable to? It was to the Pharisees who were angry with Jesus because he ate with sinners. This older brother is a picture of those who are angry with God for his mercy over others. Those who have been baptized as infants and grew up in the church, lived according to his commandments, know the catechism like the back of their hand, are prone to be like this older brother. The devil tempts them to envy their brothers and those around them, to be proud of their works, to be proud of never being like the world or never falling into that and looking down on others. They're quick to point out their brother's fault and fail to recognize their own. They get angry when others rejoice without them. They can't stand it when others around them receive any good thing. And they think, look, God, I've been so good. I've come to church so much, and you're treating me in this way unfairly. You're treating the outcast and those who have, who have fallen away and now come back. You treat them better than you treat me. And I've never gotten this type of treatment or this joy. And yet while you stand outside of the church refusing to come in because you think the church is filled with hypocrites and sinners, while your self-righteous pride pours out from your mouth, your dear Father in heaven leaves the party to find you. And he says, my son, you have always been with me. All that is mine is yours. It was right that we should rejoice and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. So here in this text, in this parable, you learn the three conditions of life without the gospel. That's hedonism, right? Squandering all things just to make yourself happy, spending it on, on pleasure. Also despair, thinking that you could never become a son of God again. And pride, thinking that you've earned your way to be his son, that you've earned his love for you. But learn today that no matter what life you live or what condition you find yourself in in this moment, no matter how many times you've gone back and forth between pride and despair and squandering what God has given you, the one thing that hasn't changed is your dear father in heaven. You have a father who doesn't wait idly by, but watches for you. Who joyfully gives all that he has to you, who runs out to hug you, who leaves the party to bring you back. You have a father who has been good to you since before the foundation of the world. So no matter what life you've lived, no matter how angry you are at others because of your own righteousness, no matter how deep in despair you find yourself, no matter how much of your life you've wasted, repent and rejoice. Because God has prepared for you a feast of his forgiveness here today. Rejoice because he has slaughtered his only begotten son in joy of finding you. Come and rejoice that your dear father has found you who were lost. Those who were lost in pride or despair or in the cares of this life. You have a God who gives you more than you can spend. Your dear father in heaven gives you more joy than this world can ever give. And he fills you with greater and better things. You have a God who is more willing to forgive you than you are to repent, more ready to give you everything than you are to ask for it. And this is your God, your Father, and you are his sons. So no matter what you've done today, he wraps his arms around you and forgives you all of your sin as he calls you his dear son. Hear the words of the hymn, Dear Christians, One and All Rejoice, uh, verse five. God said to his beloved son, it's time to have compassion. Then go bright jewel of my crown and bring to all salvation. From sin and sorrow set them free. Slay bitter death for them that they may live with you forever. The son obeyed his father's will, was born a virgin mother. And God's good pleasure to fulfill, he came to be my brother. His royal power disguised he bore, a servant's form like mine he wore to lead the devil captive. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.